30 minutes on the time timer. 30 minutes on the time timer. Boom. Set. All right. Boom. What are we doing today? What time is it? <laughs> time management time. Time time. The time timer? Time time. Time management time. It's time. Show time. Is it show time? Show time? Show time. It's show time. What time is it? Show time. <laughs> um. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, Bozo. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are If you lose that, you're not intentional. Hey, From me to you, don't ever lose that because it keeps you alive. So today we're talking about time management, our favorite subject of all of the subjects that we deal with. And one, one that we are both experts in. Oh, complete. Like we have... Ugh, on what? lock. On, on lock. Are you on time like all the time? All the time. Every, all the time. Every time. Yeah. Every time on all the time on the on time. So we were so on time, mm-hmm. all kidding aside, that we kind of messed up a little bit. We missed a week. Uh, we were on a good like production schedule on a roll, and then life happened, and we kind of screwed things up a bit. We missed a release of a week. Our time management and life circumstances kind of caught up with us this time. So we felt it's appropriate for us to jump in and kind of talk about time management and prioritization today. And so why don't you kind of tell us about what happened, Stephen? Give us your sure. take on this. Sure. So in the pursuit of banging out all these podcasts and rolling out our new website and, and kind of um, a show of force from the attention different movement, right? Releasing all this media, um, you know, consistently and on time. That was really important to Aaron and I, being on time and getting getting a flow, you know, getting into a flow where we were releasing. At first, it was like a podcast every two weeks. And <clears throat> by the time we really got into it this spring, it was a podcast a week. And we looked at our calendar and we said something sort of uncanny for ADHDers. We said, let's sit down and have a meeting where we just plan a schedule for these episodes so we don't get off track because Aaron and I both knew we were traveling this year a lot. So we sat down and we looked at our schedules and we planned out exactly when we would record not only a podcast a week, but in some instances, three podcasts on one day because again, we were traveling a lot and we Mm -hmm. knew that we had to record a bulk amount of podcasts on occasion so that we could release them once a week. And we were doing pretty good with this. We were doing pretty good. We even, I think I even flew into LA one day and came right home and we recorded three episodes. I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> um, so we were on track. And uh, then one day that I, I was returning from a trip and we were supposed to meet up and record an episode that day. And you and I were texting a lot that day, if I recall. We were communicating all day. But both of us had forgotten to sit down and record either a podcast or even a bulk of them, like a series of them that day. I think what I think what actually happened was we had this schedule all planned out and it was we had it all written down into a spreadsheet, everything, except there was one week in there where we I had like 
I had said, okay, I can't do it. And then we had rescheduled it, pushed it back to another week. But then right. we had both just forgotten. You were available. And I had just, I think it was my fault that I had forgotten that that was what we had planned. And then all of a sudden, before we knew it, the communication was off and we'd completely forgotten that we let that whole recording session slip by, which mm -hmm. then made it so that because we didn't do that, now because of my travel situation and the stuff where you were traveling, it wasn't possible for us to have record that episode anymore. So, yep. and this, this kind of like goes to show that sometimes even, even the best of us, even us who we were obviously joking beginning that we have a handle on time management because <laughs> we struggle with this every day. And it's not that it's not that we're any better or any different than anyone else with our time management skills. Um, I think we both just do our best and we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we try. I think that what this goes to show is that sometimes it happened, you know, things sometimes you try your best to plan things out and it just doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. So we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of some of the strategies that we use yeah. to manage our time. So yeah. what kind of things do you use? Well, well, if you, if you don't mind, I think we might be able to work backwards on this one sure. and start with what do you do when you, when it doesn't work? Like what do you, what, how, how, what are we supposed to do if we, if we, if we miss a, miss a meeting or miss a, miss a task or miss a scheduled thing? So I've, I've been told by a handful of important people in my life over the 26 years I've been on the planet. If you fail or if you stumble and fall, it's less about what you were trying to accomplish and in that moment, it's more important how you pick yourself up again, right? That you've already fallen, you've already stumbled. Don't focus or waste time on the fact that you did. We have to train ourselves to better pick ourselves up, you know, as quickly and as efficiently and as, as in some cases, confidently and positively as possible so we can reapproach the challenge, right? Right. And to me, one of the bigger like monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet with regards to time management is this feeling of guilt or shame when mm -hmm. I don't meet a deadline or when a deadline has gotten so far behind me or I've gotten so far behind on a deadline that I suddenly don't want to do it anymore. That I like, I tap out in a big ugly way because I've so badly missed my deadline that it's it's shameful you know right so so i'd love to start here i'd love to start this episode kind of going working backwards from the from the missed thing yeah right? from the from the mistake how how do we pick ourselves back up and and reapproach the challenge well that's that's such an important point and i'm glad that you suggested that because I totally think that both for me and for you and for pretty much every client I work with with ADHD, when shame comes into the picture, that guilt, shame scenario, it becomes the opposite of motivation. That's when that cycle of procrastination happens. I see this personally too within myself. If I know that I was supposed to do something or I have this project and it's 
on my to-do list and on my calendar and on my other apps or whatever we're talking about, right? If it's there and I know it's there, it's going to be in the back of my head and I'm going to be thinking about it. And even when I'm trying to watch TV or on Netflix or hanging out or going to the gym or whatever I'm doing, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm doing this and, but you know, what about that project? What about that thing? What about that deadline? And it causes a certain amount of underlying stress and anxiety. Honestly, takes you away from the present, from being able to be fully present in whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. So for so for me, I, I've recognized that instead of trying to run away from it or to avoid it because it's uncomfortable, especially it's uncomfortable if you've already missed the deadline or it's you feel like you've let someone down. Right. Right. What I've realized is that it's better to just face it, confront it right away. Okay, you know what? Let me tell them. Let me just shoot this text off. Let me tell them exactly what's going on. Be as honest and transparent as possible. Not to say that you have to admit all of your mistakes right up front. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be like, I just suck right. at time. And you know, obviously, right. like you don't want to do that There's kind of thing. always an underlying element of tact in all, yes. in all things. And you want to be, yeah, you want to be careful at Spilling all the beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this is important though, delineating what the difference is between actual laziness, like mm -hmm. being lazy and being overwhelmed because the symptoms can look very similar. On the right? outside to the On casual the observer. Yes. To the casual observer, someone who's overwhelmed and anxious about that is performing in very many similar ways to someone who's just over it, just bored or lazy, right? So yes. it might include Netflix streaming. It might include procrastinating by like cleaning your whole house or the kitchen or doing the dishes, but like refusing to sit in front of the computer or, or going and watering all the plants in your home. So we find ways to, to put off that thing that we're stressed about but that all never ends up being as stressful as we, as we build it up in our head. Yeah. And it just occurred to me. Yeah, no, exactly. It's not that we are actually lazy, that we may appear that we're being lazy by, but actually we're beat, we're overwhelmed and we're stressed and yeah. we're either engaged when we're stressed out and overwhelmed where we're actually, we're activated and we're doing something, but we're doing something besides the important thing. Mm -hmm. So that's where the cleaning or the organizing or the uh, running around and doing small little errands, but not the big thing comes yep. in or we're vegging out doing something else to take our mind off of it and trying to avoid the, the pain or discomfort of actually starting. Yeah. And, but those two things really aren't laziness as much as let's deal with the underlying symptom, which is, I feel yes. overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. I'm stressed out or I'm, I feel guilty and I'm not wanting to confront that guilt. So you're in it. Yeah. You're feeling guilty. You're feeling stressed out. You're doing, you're either putting all that energy into menial tasks or you're denying it entirely. Yeah. You're just not paying attention to it. Where do you start Aaron to get out of that funk? Well, the first thing is to realize when you're in it, what you're doing. Because if you think to yourself, you convince yourself that you're just, your your own happiness, enjoyment is the most important thing in the moment. And 
you're not wasting time because watering the plants is is the priority in the moment. Like if you convince yourself and you rationalize that behavior, and then I have convinced myself so many times, so many countless times, I've convinced myself in a in a in what's scary is in a tiny thought, really tiny thought. Yeah. Like I'm taking no, like you know what? I'm taking a break from me. This is me. This is me yeah, time. Here. This is this is me time. And, I deserve and this. When did me time go from 15 minutes to five hours? You know, it's it's Friday night. You know, it's Saturday. I don't need yeah. to. Like, oh, it's yeah. like, right, you can, there's all these things you can tell yourself to rationalize why you're choosing not to do it. Oh, it's late. Yeah. It's fine. I worked the whole day. I should be able to watch this Netflix movie. I should be able to just check out. That's a rationalization. We're, let's be honest with ourselves. If we buy into our bullshit mm-hmm. and we don't call BS on ourselves, we're never going to get any better. And especially if we defend our bullshit to other people who call us out on it, right? Our loved ones, our parents, our significant others. You're not doing yourself any favors in that way either. It, it occurs to me that both, both the positive and the negative side of this coin, the being okay with yourself when you do miss a deadline and understanding that it's probably because you are overwhelmed or as we are, yes, men and women, we probably are doing too many things or trying to balance too many plates. But then the other side of that coin, right? We have to be our, our own brother's keeper and not make excuses and not and not justify to ourselves why we're we are just we are distracted or why we are channeling our energy into a, a non priority, a non top priority. It all boils down to responsibility and taking taking responsibility for uh, even though this is so cliche but it's taking responsibility for your choices and responsibility for your actions and what is requested of you and the moment we take responsibility it's not just a negative it's both like when we take responsibility for our choices and what we're responsible for what we're being asked to do we won't make as many excuses you know you take responsibility you say i i said i would do this i'm going to do this but then on the flip side you also in some perverse way free yourself up to to feel more okay in texting that friend and saying hey i try i tried my hardest but i I couldn't meet this deadline because of x y and z you know it frees you up to be honest and vocal about the stuff that you're trying to complete and try and do if you take responsibility so it's that it's both sides yeah so i I, what i think you're saying there if you take more responsibility if you say like there's a little saying that i kind of say to myself you know i say what i do and i do what i say and i'm not always i don't always live by that I try my best, but I, it's an aspirational goal. Right. It doesn't help us to be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that in an hour. Oh yeah. I'll do that next weekend. Oh yeah. I'll do that when I have time this time, because I know I'll have plenty of time on this day. If we say that to ourselves, it may feel good in the moment, but if you're realistically like setting yourself up for failure later, cause you know, you haven't kind of thought this through enough and that's not a healthy kind of way to go about it either I, so i do think on the other side of this is that accepting when you, when we do make mistakes and being completely transparent do a self-assessment look yeah. back even if it's painful even if it's hard even if it's something you don't want to admit to yourself what was my role what could i have changed what are the things that, that contributed to the lateness what were the distractions or the things that got in the way what can i what, sh- what should I have done or what could I do next time that would help so that this doesn't happen again? Right. And if you do that for every single failure, mishap, 
missed deadline, if you do that self-assessment and exercise first, before you go and talk to that supervisor or that loved one or someone else, that way you reflected, you took responsibility to yourself, which is the most important person to take responsibility to. Let's be honest. Then you can take responsibility in a different way when you face, you're not filled with shame. You're not lost and floundering and like, I don't really know what to do. Help me, help, help. No. Right. You want to come into it more clear headed and say, all right, I know I said I was going to do it here. Right. I missed the deadline. I take full responsibility. My plan is that by Friday, I'm going to have this done. Here's what right. I'm going to do about it. Is that acceptable? It's scary to see, to be that direct and to say those kind of things in that way. Yeah. But when you do, people appreciate it. They respect it. And they respect you because you're taking ownership. Yeah. I have been making excuses for my entire life. I have also been in a position where I need to explain myself and it's been important to give specific details, right? You know, whether it was a family emergency or, you know, there are occasions in which the details do matter, but I know how painful it is to want so desperately to explain to someone why you missed a deadline. I always in the moment think this isn't an excuse. They're not listening to me. Like this searing thought, you're not hearing me. I'm not being heard. No, this isn't, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you facts, right? And I personally get those, those things tied up. This idea that an excuse is like a court document of, of fact for why I didn't turn something in. And I, I confuse that for like social currency, for like convincing power. In reality, it's not doing anything. Like they don't, they don't need to hear any of it, any of it, 98% of it, right? They just need to know I didn't do it and I'm gonna do it, right? I still, to this day, get trapped in that cycle on the regular, on the regular. And in the moment, I have a struggle convincing myself, no, Steven, they don't need to hear this. This is not adding to the situation. This isn't solving the problem. This is just for you. This is just for you. You're talking to convince yourself. Where does that impulse come from, you think? It's an impulse to be, for me personally, very privately and personally, it comes from being a people pleaser. And that may not be, I don't think, I think it's a little mutually exclusive from just ADHD alone. Sometimes it's not even... Uh, it, does, it manifests outside of like a task completion scenario. Sometimes it manifests in a social setting, like a cocktail party, where I don't feel like I'm connecting with someone and then I try harder. So like instead of being chill and taking a step back and like letting the room breathe, I fill in more fat. I, I, I put in, I talk more and I even like target that person. I'm like, like me, I want you to, I want to connect with you. Right. So it's you're trying it's even a, harder in a sense. Yeah, it's it's instead of taking one step back, breathing, finishing the task at hand, or connecting with this person in another way, or letting go of needing connect with this person, it's like you full court press. Like I go even harder. I go five steps forward, and it never works. <laughs> it, 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 it not once, not once in my entire life has it mattered, and. Trying to convince myself is so hard in the moment. So I, I, I relate to our listeners who are sitting there thinking, I just want them to understand me. 
Yeah. It's important to know yourself, like you just said, about people pleasing. And I have some of that tendency as well. I can completely relate to you about that, that I don't like letting other people down. And I feel upset for long periods of time if I know that I've upset someone or someone's mad at me. Um, yeah. So I, I do try my best to not do that. And I think that that's commendable that, that we, because we are consciously trying to not upset people, you know, that that's a good quality, but there's a flip side to that, that what I think is underneath that need for people pleasing, there's this underlying need for how you judge, how you're feeling about your own self-worth and how you define yourself by others' expectations. So it's how you're defining your own success or how other people are viewing you, that you're actually more externally taking in those those kind of uh, that feedback from the environment. Yes. To I, to define your own like sense of self-worth or accomplishment or success and that that's the real thing about the people pleasing is that we're relying on others to fill that. And yeah. The problem with that is that actually confident people have a have a more stable sense of their own self-worth and a guiding sense of their own values and why they made certain decisions and that kind of stuff they don't have the need to have to justify or explain or rationalize or give all these reasons of why they did what they did i don't know if you heard about the subtle art of not giving a fuck yes i do know the book <laughs> by well. mark uh, manson yep it's not about that you shouldn't care. So the title itself is a little misleading. It's, it's not saying we should just be callous like people that don't give a fuck about other people's feelings. Right, right. It's actually saying that we care too much. Yes. That sometimes we put too much, we put too much behind how other people are going to react or what they're feeling and trying to take care of other people's emotions or making sure that what we say isn't going to upset them. And then, you know, what if they get upset by this thing or that's where we shouldn't be giving a fuck. Like, like I think what we need to do, even as ADHDers, when it comes to this time management stuff, we need to realize that sometimes someone's going to be upset sometimes. Right. And, and if you say no, or you say to someone, you know, actually, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I know I said I did, but I can't. Like, it, yes, they're going to be upset. What we need to start doing is understanding that that's okay that you're not responsible for their feelings. You're not right. responsible for other people's reactions. So that's what I'm still, I mean, this is an ongoing thing, but I'm still wrapping my head around this too. That's what I want to do going forward. It's okay sometimes to upset people. It's okay to let people down if you're being honest to yourself and if you're taking care of yourself. Because part of self-care in actuality is doing that. And sometimes the it's best so things happen. Even hearing you say that, it it like still makes me my skin crawl. Like, well, try it. The, yeah. I, all no, no, I say no. is, all I, I'm I say with is, you. I try yeah. this on the regular. I just, it's funny how I'm, I'm pointing <laughs> out how ingrained it is. Yeah. Even hearing you speak the words that I philosophically agree with, even still, my my skin is like, oh, not caring about other people's feelings, but. 
I want everyone to be happy. You know what I mean? Like the first impulse is, yeah. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And it's like, dude, shake it off. Like the, the point is you first be responsible for your sanity and your mental health first. But also you don't, you do not cause anyone else's unhappiness. Right. No matter what you do. Cause that's, that's not on you. Okay. If you, if you think to yourself, you have the power to make other people happy or unhappy, you're kidding yourself. That's why I think we need to just take a step back and realize, all right, it's not about, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about being honest with ourselves. It's about admitting things. It's about taking responsibility and moving forward. Then other people will actually see us as more reliable sources of information. Because if you think about it, it's almost manipulative to have someone who is so nice, nice, kind of like, uh, I'm going to say yes, but not really mean it. Or I'm going to say things to make you feel good, but then I really don't like, it's not how I truly feel, but I'm just trying to help you know, make you feel good. Cause I know that's what I think you want. Right. You lose trust with people. If you do that too much, just think about it. That hard, you mentioned like that teacher that was rough with you in, in your acting school that was like, you know, cut through the bullshit with a knife. I've had coaches and other people that were like that too. And sometimes it's those curmudgeon hard to please people. I thought are, my soccer coach in high school. Yeah. I the, hate, I hate it. You know, he called it out every day. Excuses, Tanti. Excuses. Excuses. There were times when he was being a cretin and wasn't listening to any student's other activity. Like, he wasn't taking into consideration any of the other teammates, like, extracurricular activities outside right. of sports. But, but do you remember those his times? His point was right. I remember those times as, like, I was, I was still making excuses more often than not. But like, do you, well, what I was going to say is, do you remember those times when he did flip and say something positive or something encouraging? Um, I remember a couple of his encouraging statements, but by and large, he was a curmudgeon, as you pointed out. But my point is like that some, sometimes those people that are hard to please and don't give yeah. a lot of praise and, and positive statements, they're, they're the ones that also can make a bit, make a huge impact. I'm agreeing. Yeah. He made a huge impact, but I don't think that it necessarily has to be because he said a bunch of negative shit and then one day said a positive thing and I went, oh, wow, this guy I respect. I actually think my negative relationship towards him has sustained since that day, but some significant portion of my frustration with him is projection of a frustration with myself. And that's the biggest impact that he left was he was the type of person who wasn't going to stop telling you you were making excuses because that's what he thought. That was his opinion. And it taught me a valuable lesson that there are individuals out there who don't care at all about what you have to say. They just want results. And that's the real world. Yeah. That there are some people who aren't going to give you any rope. And to learn to let those people kind of wash over you, take the information you need from them and move on, you know? And that was, that was who that person was for me. But he also showed, held up a mirror to show yes, you exactly. yourself. Yes, exactly. 
That was very, very, it was formative. He's, he is one of 20 adults in my life who have deeply affected my personality development and my personality growth because he held a mirror to me. And just because you don't want to see your own reflection doesn't mean it's not there. So sometimes the change happens in the most uncomfortable and hardest places. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. Too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, Bozo. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're not attention. Pay attention.